Welcome to the Sabbath School Rescue Podcast with your host, Buster Swoops and Michael Campbell. This week in preparation for Sabbath, September 2nd, we look at Lesson 10, Husbands and Wives Together at the Cross. According to Ephesians 5, let's see what happens when husbands and wives indeed love as God has called them to. The Sabbath School Rescue Podcast is hosted by Michael Campbell and Buster Swoops at the Adventist Learning Community. Together, we love learning and have 18 years of pastoral experience And now we have the privilege to dig deeper into the study. All right, Michael, here we are, Lesson 10, Husbands and Wives Together at the Cross. And Ephesians chapter 5, 25 through 27, New King James Version. Probably a lot of us have heard this before, but take note of it and and absorb it. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should, that, that she should be holy and without blemish. Yeah, so this, this is an important reminder of the body of Christ and that beautiful relationship between a husband and wife, between a, and a couple, and what that in its best sense, what that represents and symbolizes with the church. Agreed. And I can't help but think, and I know we're probably going to get to it later, but the words of of Dr. McVeigh, as he shared with us earlier, that that this has probably been one of the misquoted scriptures towards making women submissive, of putting them down. And he gives a a countercultural view of that, especially for Paul's time. And mm-hmm. I, I think we're, we need to bring that up this lesson, too, because I think when it's pointed out, what's highlighted here is what Christ was willing to give for her. What's highlighted okay. here is Christ's love for the church, not what he expected out of the church, right? So it wasn't this iron fist demanding. It was the sacrificing of what Christ has done for. So, Michael, that gives us hints to counsel to Christian wives. Okay. How did I get Sunday's lesson? <laughs> I feel like we should have our wives on on this episode with us, but I know they're both busy and and working. So yes, uh, but for the sake of 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 trying a, a a humble attempt at this, and it's a it's such a such a brief little passage here, isn't it? I mean, the that 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 we're trying to look at, but verse twenty one, and I think it's important that verse 21 comes before verse 22. It says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And then it talks verse 22. And this is the verse that's that's often quoted. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. And and so people proof text that one verse and saying, well, wife has to obey the husband, you know? And (laughs) I think that is a, a, a terrible distortion. If you don't read, verse 21 first before verse 22, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And so it's out of mutual submission to each other. It's not just one submitting to the other. I like how in Testimonies for the Church, Ellen White says she's writing a testimony to uh, to this woman. She writes several of these testimonies, but she basically tells her that she wasn't to be a doormat for her husband. Right. It's kind of walkover, right? That she has a will. She has her own walk with Jesus Christ, all of these kinds of things that that provides that kind of context. And in fact, I think one of the most powerful testimonies I've ever read in the nine volumes of the Testimonies for the Church, if, if you like Adventist history, check it out. It's titled Put on the Woman. So Ellen White was very much about empowering women. So 
submitting isn't being pushed down. There we go. <laughs> and so it's through mutual submission to each other. And this comes back to what we we're talking about in last week's episode, putting the needs of others, whether it's in our worship or whatever else it is, putting their needs before our own. So rather than it being about, I have to make people obey me, it's about how can I look and be attentive to my family, especially my spouse, and how can I make sure that they're reaching their full potential? What do I need to sacrifice? What I need to give up to make sure that my family benefits the most? And that kind of unselfish attitude, following the example of Christ, putting others. You know, I think really, honestly, if people had that truly unselfish attitude, there would be no argument about submitting to your husbands because, mm -hmm. it, 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 you know, it's not a power move. It's, it's all about servant leadership, serving and allowing others and allowing the spouse to be able to put their needs best and, and first and, and foremost. And, and I, I love that because the love of God, the agape love, right? The self-sacrificing love of God is this concept of, of again, sacrifice and, and not being selfish. That's ant antithetical to the gospel. And I think that's, that's a big part of why we run into trouble. That's why people you know, why this verse uh, tragically is abused there. Are, and we have to admit some parts of scripture are abused. Yes, yes, they are misquoted and used in a way that is unlike Jesus and un, does not reflect the true, the, the gospel. And, but, but in this case, yeah, uh, you know, mutual submission out of reverence to, for Christ. And, and then of course we go on from there. And on Monday's lessons, talking about the church as the bride of Christ. And we'll actually kind of keep continuing <laughs> down that path. Well, Michael, for our, our memory text, we basically went over this text already, but now it's, it's adding to that verse mm -hmm. 29. And I want to make sure we, we get there as, I, as I'm going there. But verse 29 says, For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. And mm -hmm. you see there, like these are, these are vows that God is taking towards the church. And hopefully husbands, as you're reading this, you're not saying, yeah, wife, you should be doing this. No, this is, whether you're a wife or a bride or you're a groom, this is for all of us to look at and say, what is my part? Uh, I can't control what my wife does, but I can actually, actually shape, shape and help her mood based off of how I treat her. And hopefully she does the same in return and there's not going to be perf per perfection in there because we're human and some days we're moody and sometimes we're angry, sometimes we're upset, but be ye angry, but do not sin. As we just read a chapter ago in Ephesians chapter four, and the le lesson brings out a wonderful steps here, or I guess you will, or highlights about the bridegroom and what he does for the church. Mm. He loves the church as a bride. He gave himself himself as the bride price. So he ransomed himself. He bathed his bride. He speaks the, the word of promise to her. And last but not least, he prepares and adorns the bride. And so we see mm -hmm. all of these here in this text about what Christ is willing to do for the church. So how dare we then in return saying, oh, well, Christ, you need to do more. Or husbands need to do more. Right? right? But this is, this Mercy. is the spirit of... I'm willing to do whatever it takes to make sure that we're together. And this yeah. is what Christ has done. And he's saying in return, 
I'm asking that you accept my gifts. I'm asking that you come unto me, all you weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. But in other words, I prepared everything. Now you just have to accept me. And I think that's beautiful. And it goes actually to the Tuesday's lesson, which is the church as a bride of Christ, part two. Indeed. Well, as you look a little bit more and it's focusing on Second Corinthians, so we're kind of jumping around just a little bit here, but I think we're getting the same idea. We have described for us the wedding itself, right? And, and this is not only a, a very important part of the wedding ceremony, but in this, Paul is trying to portray Christ who presents himself to the bride. He's referring to himself, of course. There's a, such deep symbolism here, right? And, and, and so the church um, as a bride to himself. And so Paul, using this, is able to help remind us uh, of that process, whether the betrothal, you know, that's where in the ancient times there was a bride price. We're not used to that today. That's not something. But but today we do something a little bit similar, but it's more ceremonial. We'll we'll do like an engagement ring, right? I mean, that's that's kind of the same idea. Uh, why do we need to do an engagement ring? It really doesn't have any useful purpose anymore. Or if you're a good Adventist, an engagement watch, perhaps, right? <laughs> it's that's that ancient idea of but back then it was it was meant to be something that showed the value of that person that that and, and in case things were to go wrong, that there was some kind of fallback safety measure because because these weren't just like, oh, let's try to, you know, it, it, it was meant to create a, a security net within society for for women. Right. In particular. And then, of course, in just like today, back then, there was a, a time of preparation, a huge amount of preparation for the wedding and then the wedding ceremony itself, which then the, the bride is finally unveiled. And Buster, you and I were just at a wedding for one of our, some of our students, right? That just got married and you were up there giving the, the uh, uh, officiating and, and such a, a beautiful moment. And of course, everyone stands when the bride comes in and, and uh, I don't know who cried more <laughs> between the groom and the, <laughs> and the bride. That, that is true. <laughs> It was beautiful. I always like to watch the face, you know, of the groom yes. as the bride comes in, you know, just beaming, just beaming. And and just so beautiful to see a young couple like that, that that love Jesus and and that just really love each other and willing to to let Jesus shine through them. And and so when we see a wedding, it's not only just a moment, you kind of romantic moment, of course, you know, it's so beautiful, but True. it shows you the the kind of commitment Christ has for his church. Again, it's a comparison, it's an analogy, but how how beautiful, how much Jesus Christ values the church as his bride and will want to take his bride home with him for all eternity. So, which leads us to Wednesday's lesson, which is loving your wife as you do yourself. Yeah. So, Michael, it goes on with Ephesians chapter five and it, mm. As it continues on, it brings out a very important notion here. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body and of his flesh and of his bones. And as we look at that, I think it's self-explanatory. This is what it's meant to be about, that Christ considers us one with him, 
and he wants husbands and wives to be considered one. I know that notion has been tried to be torn about with so many different ways through the enemy. I truly believe that it's an attack, all-out war against the family, whether that's through promiscuity, whether through that's with multiple partners before marriage, whether that's through media tell, telling us that there's a different way, whether it's the rise of polyamorous relationships, whether that's the way through so many different things are attacking this notion. But Christ is saying, I have a better way for you. And that, that is for you to choose a husband or a wife and do it with wisdom and do it with guidance and stay with that relationship. And we see here, Michael, that there's times where that's not the case, where and, and sometimes it shouldn't be the case, where there's abuse taking place, or the Bible also tells us like when there's infidelity, where there's all sorts of things. But at the same time, Christ is saying, husbands, you're called to love your wife as you do love yourself. And that's part of the problem, which is if you don't value yourself, how are you going to value someone else? If your value is in only what you do and not your identity in Christ, you're going to have a problem. You're going to have a problem and you're going to want to belittle others because you're going to belittle yourself because you're going to mess up one way or another. And therefore, if you are the sum of your mess ups and you're doing well, you're going to eventually beat yourself up. But if you see yourself through the eyes of Christ and recognize that not only you're just fearfully and wonderfully made, but that you are forgiven and that you are a child, you are a son, a daughter of Christ, then therefore I'm going to look at others as that son and daughter of Christ. When I look at my wife, she's not just my wife. She's also redeemed by the blood of the lamb. And so therefore I can't just treat her however I want to because she really doesn't even belong to me. She actually truly belongs to Christ first and foremost. He's the one that actually gave his life for her. He's the one that actually created her. So how dare I treat Christ's creation like something that like it's trash. No, it's the most treasured, valuable possession in all the entire universe. And it belongs in his hands. My marriage belongs in his hands. My kids, I belong in his hands. The homeless person I pass on the street, they belong to Christ. They belong in his hands. And so this, this notion, this, this mindset of loving your wife as your own body is once again, going deeper and showing us the love that Christ had not only for the church, but that he has for humanity. And he's calling all to be a part of his bride. And it's a choice. It's not going to force us to be a part of the bride. It's a choice that we get to make, a privilege we get to make to be a part of the bride of Christ. So, Michael, tell us about that one flesh model of marriage. Absolutely. So there's a, a meditation or a reflection on Genesis 2, which obviously is when God uh, takes the man and and then that whole narrative that leads to the creation of, of Eve and then taking the rib and everything else. And then he sees Eve and, and of course he says, this is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. It shall be called woman for she was taken out of man. And then verse 24, which is what it's getting to. This is why a man leaves his father and mother. Often this is quoted at, at weddings, of course, and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. And Obviously, there's a, a, a reference to sexual unity, but, but even more significant, I think, is the emotional and spiritual unity. All of those things that come together that are part of the uniting of, of two people together. And I, I yes, think it's, it's easy in, this, in, in today's Western culture to, of consumerism and where sexuality is often objectified and as something that's to be gratified, that it loses that relational dimension. And 
and truly only has that significance and, and what God intended in, in the beginning when, when there truly is, it's not what people get, but what they give. And that r- relational aspect of, of uniting of people together, a couple together, that, that truly becomes beautiful. And not only that two people become one, but they become one in purpose, you know, and that's the beauty of having Christ at the center of a marriage is that, and, and that whole thing is, is that then they are one, they're, they're, they're on the same team working for the same objectives and, and ultimately by God's grace, working for the, letting God live through them and the love of gospel, uh, the love of the, the love of Christ. And last week we talked about the, the light of, 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 that that comes that illuminates right to use different metaphors but all of that whatever you want to use to describe it allows yes. christ to to work in and through that relationship to create a, just a, a little microcosm of of what the whole trinity and the gospel and the, the the message of salvation is all about so they become one in purpose united with god in in the the in terms of their what their unity and purpose is all about and i think that's what that one flesh is um, talking about is that that deep intimacy on on so many different levels that all goes together kind of like a package deal you might say and and that's what makes marriage uh fulfilling and beautiful at its at its best right and 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 again by by god's grace and and again at the end it says they felt no shame because even though they were naked because they were living in intimacy and relationship with, with God himself, the walking in the garden, all of those, that, that beautiful way of, of describing it. Well, you know, this is, you know, shows you the depth of this, you know, a submission, submitting to each other, the, this, these relationships, even sexuality itself, all of those things, husbands, wives, the power of a marriage, the power of a relationship begins with Jesus on Calvary, which is the essential message of this week's lesson. You know, and going back once again, full circle, when Dr. McVeigh was sharing with us about the culture of that time was that mm-hmm. top-down leadership exercised authority and would never submit. But here we see a God who is in charge and mm-hmm. who loves creation so much that he, in a way, submits. It doesn't make sense. And he didn't have to. It's what he chose to do. He didn't have to die. He chose to do it. And now he's calling, and it's not just husbands and wives. He's calling, calling those who are in authority, the elders of the church, the deacons of the church. He's calling those who are rich in the church to submit and to choose to die to themselves in order for Christ to live out his life in them. And I think it's a lesson that we need to hear today in the church as well, to die to self so that Christ may live in us. And to not exercise or lord it over, like as Matthew chapter or Mark chapter ten shares, but instead Christ died and gave his life a ransom for many, for many, and that's what we're called to do as well: being willing to serve the masses, because this is what our Christ, our, our Lord and Savior, has asked us to do. Well, I couldn't have said it better myself. So I think it's a good wrap for another week. So just want to thank our listeners for joining us for another week of sabbath school rescue our podcast and join us again next week and until then this is soup and swoops signing Signing out. out as we wrap up we want to give a shout out to our sponsor the adventist learning community a ministry of the north american division of seventh day adventists you can join us each week by subscribing on spotify itunes wherever you like to listen to podcasts 
Also, make sure you share with as many people as possible and be sure to give us feedback by rating our podcast and go to our website, saddleschoolrescue.org for each weekly episode.